This is Keith Orr from Common Language Bookstore and The Out Bar. You're listening to Closets Are For Clothes on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 on your radio dial. Not real ones like Tun Hurdu Hom Tua. Oh, hello. This is Hun Hurdu Hom Tua. You listen to WCBN FM and Arbor. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we'd like to thank uh, folks out there for pledging all during last week's fundraiser down here at WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Uh, Relatively successful. I was somewhat disappointed in Gray Matters' performance, but uh, yeah, we'll slap a few people around when I see them. Well, uh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, community effort, community radio station. Uh, I heard interesting statistics from uh, WCBN's uh, fundraiser uh, manager, uh, Cameron Bothner, who said that uh, it was about at the very end of the fundraiser, they were uh, 495, 496 individual people had called in at various times sometimes frequently uh pledging in various denominations but uh amazing that uh so many people able to dig into their pockets and pull out some money for wcbn to continue broadcasting and uh a little surprising that there aren't a few more um and i wanted to particularly you can uh, still of course get online wcbn.org and uh, we are still accepting pledges but uh, i'd like to thank everybody's patience and uh, give a big thumbs up to uh, cameron bothner for very uh very good work uh, a lot of hours uh, so good job for uh for him yes indeedy and i wanted to also particularly commend uh the washington dairy at uh ashley and first uh if you want to know why ann arbor is such a cool place to live go there in the summer a little after dinner and check out those lines. <laughs> that is what is known as a family outing uh, in which people go down and get dessert at that great establishment. Uh, lots of kids, lots of families, and uh, it shows what's right and why people love living in a community like Ann Arbor. So support local businesses that donated food to our uh, efforts down here. Uh, too many to mention, but... Uh, I mentioned Washtenaw Dairy simply because they come through year after year after year uh, with generous uh, sweets, <laughs> literally for uh, best damn donut in town. In my personal yeah, opinion. and by the way, they're no, uh, they don't there are no trans fats in those donuts. I, I read all about their uh, change of recipe a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. So these are uh, 
healthy donuts to the extent <laughs> that donuts can uh, can be healthy. I don't know that Homer Simpson would approve, but uh, he's a fictional character. We won't worry about him. Speaking of Simpsons, uh, just a quick nod uh, for another community uh, location, community activities and events. Uh, the Michigan Theater is going to be showing screenings of Oscar-nominated short films, uh, both live-action and animated, at various times over the next couple of days. And there is a short Simpsons film uh, that has been nominated for an animated uh, Academy Award this year. So, really? uh, yeah, that'll be uh, there's a 9:15 showing tonight of the animated shorts, and I think another one. Uh, over the next couple of days, you'll have is to look at the website. Is that a Matt Brunig operation? Or oh, is yeah. This a yeah, it's a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's just a matter of time before Maggie's gotten her own vehicle. Uh, of course, famously voiced uh, the one word she ever said by the late, great Elizabeth Taylor uh, did the, the voicing for Maggie Simpson. I don't know who will do it in this particular picture, but uh, go down to the Michigan Theater and see what uh, short films you never really get a chance to see back in the old days of the... Uh, Outing to the theater, you'd uh, get a newsreel, a short, and then your feature uh, presentation. So it's nice to see short films. Uh, so check that out at the Michigan Theater over the next couple of days. Yeah, and if Maggie Simpson's getting a getting a car, Barbie and Ken had better watch out. And <laughs> <laughs> run him over. <sighs> kind of the way Richard Nixon. Thanks. We'll be talking about him shortly. Oh, it's funny. I see you've brought your uh, Cutler book as well. Well, I figured we were, <laughs> we're in need of an update. A little overdue, yeah. Update for a 40th uh, anniversary of some of the uh, early months of 1973 in which the Watergate scandal was definitely unfolding. A diff difficult year. And Richard Nixon was starting to get worried, but uh, defiant as ever coming up with counterattacking strategies uh, that we'll get to. Um, speaking of... Uh, Nixon types. Uh, I'm a little unclear where this obstruction of Hegel is, is going. Uh, it seems like he's going to actually be confirmed sometime next week. There's some sort of a recess in the Senate at the time, at the moment. And uh, this is kind of a puzzling thing about this whole Hegel thing. It's interesting that today... Uh, the other fellow Nebraska senator uh, that served with Chuck Hagel, Mike Johans, who was also in the Bush administration as Secretary of Agriculture, announced that he's not running for re-election. And he's one of the only Republicans that's come out in favor of Chuck Hagel. And I found that coincidence rather interesting. Um, I don't know whether he's been told from within the GOP uh, establishment of the big donors that he's being cut off for this defiance, whether... Uh, Is this part of some bigger rebranding? Well, of course, it's part of the usual, I'm not running for re-election because I want to spend more time with my family. Now, I don't think he's a particularly old um, fellow, but he's you know been heavily involved in Nebraska politics uh, at the Republican Party level for uh, many years. In fact, I think he was governor of the state at one time, and I just find it interesting that uh, he very surprisingly announced that he's not running for re-election after announcing last summer that he would be. So there may be a story there uh, that we don't know about, but uh, coincidences in Washington are very puzzling, and I still don't quite get where we're going with the Benghazi thing. Uh, 1,600 Americans have died in the last two months here in America from gun violence. Uh, obviously, there were some uh, 
minor foul-ups uh, in, in Benghazi's intelligence, but it doesn't strike me that the, the, the scandal that uh, uh, McCain and uh, Lindsey Graham and Kelly Ayotte are trying to exploit is really working. This is a kind of a odd w- approach to uh, trying to attack Obama since it was the, the Republicans in Congress that cut off the funding, uh, you know, or d- denied funding when uh, requests were made to bolster security funding at uh, establishments around the globe. The United States has about 750 military bases around the globe. Um, and obviously, Leon Panetta, in, uh, in testimony just a couple of weeks ago, pointed out that we couldn't get to Libya on time. And the attack in Libya, by the way, was not at a embassy. It was at a diplomatic outpost. And the reason that the ambassador was killed was he went from Tripoli to Benghazi. Uh, I would uh, be much more uh, appreciative of McCain and uh, Ayat and uh, Lindsey Graham if they would insist on all the documents from the Ronald Reagan attack on Benghazi in April of 19. 19- 86. I think that would lead more credibility to the bigger story. And uh, while we're at it, how about all of the documents involving Pan Am 103? That's where there are some real cover-ups that are continuing. And uh, I think that the Benghazi story has been pretty well um, fleshed out. This was obviously... It's somewhat irrelevant whether they were militants or terrorists. I mean, the, these distinctions strike me as, as bizarre. Obviously, the timing of it occurring on 9-11 is symbolic. But um, I'm not too sure where McCain and company are going with this. And for this to hold up Chuck Hagel strikes me as bizarre because he wasn't even in the Obama administration. And obviously... Uh, given the violence that we've seen in the last couple of weeks in Iraq, uh, with uh, sectarian violence continuing, the argument that they're making that because uh, uh, Hegel uh, opposed the surge doesn't strike me as terribly rational. Uh, I don't see how the how you can argue in a, in a nation state that uh, the the United States government overthrew. Uh, in which over a million orphans were created, and the chaos that spread into the region, that this neoconservative argument has any credibility whatsoever. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, they're just making a lot of noise with some pots and pans, basically, like children who don't have proper toys to play with, but... uh it's the Three Stooges about, making pancakes. Yeah, thrashing about, uh, <laughs> hoping that, you know... Something will stick. Something will stick, and that it'll make some noise and fill out the airwaves, uh, because what else have they got uh, at the end of the day, really, uh, to talk about? Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, there, I think there are some legitimate questions whether Chuck Hagel is the most qualified person to run the Pentagon. Let's remember that the Pentagon is the largest building in the world and it certainly has the highest budget in the world. And I suspect that the real reason that he's being uh, focused in on is he apparently agrees with the overall approach that Barack Obama obviously has foreshadowed in speeches and policy issues, including the fact that it was leaked out that he was the only person uh, of the top rung of the, of the first administration that opposed aiding the Syrian rebels. Uh, which apparently Chuck Hagel doesn't think is a good idea, and John McCain thinks it's 
it's a good idea. So the United States doesn't want to get back into the business of arming Islamic terrorists in the hope that something good is going to come out after another thug, obviously uh, Bashir Assad, who's killed uh, tens of thousands of people in the civil war in Syria, is going to somehow benefit the United States in the region. The region is a mess, and it's a mess because the United States can't doesn't know who it's doing business with at the end of the day. Well, and it never has. No. Uh, the track record of U.S. intelligence throughout the entire Middle East going back to the Second World War is uh, misconception, misperception, uh, and delusion uh, pretty much across the board uh, when there's not uh, outright subterfuge and vote-buying uh, in the overthrow of uh, Mossadegh in Iran in 1953, uh, CIA-sponsored street thugs and so forth, uh, to the fabulous uh, 80s project of funding the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Or which, covertly funding Saddam Hussein through Saudi Arabia, which, of right. course, is back in the news big time because it turns out that the Saudi government has permitted the uh, basing of drones in their on their territory. And talk about releasing papers uh, that will, you know, create uh, a sense of credibility here. Uh, there's a story being developed in Counterpunch uh, in their print journal. I have yet to read this, but uh, not too surprised by the forebodings here. Uh, Henry Kissinger is currently go through going through a series of legal machinations to prevent his papers. Uh, as Secretary of State, as National Security Director, uh, from being released into the public purview, as, of course, they're supposed to be after so many years. Indeed. Uh, and uh, he does not want these papers to be available for public scrutiny. Golly, what might the good doctor have to hide? Plenty. Vich doctor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Plenty, to be sure. Uh, let's remember that Kissinger can no longer travel to France, which has an extradition treaty with Chile, uh, which is anxiously awaiting an opportunity to question the good doctor on a number of uh, terrible goings on there. And, of course, um, interesting that you mentioned Chile. I'll just interject quite uh, quickly. Pakistan, that's there's going to be some interesting stuff in the Kissinger papers on that, yeah. too. Well, Zial the, Huck, the, the heroin B trafficking. The God BBC knows. just a, week, a couple of weeks ago reported that a judge in Chile has ordered the exhumation of P Pablo Neruda's bones. Hmm. He died shortly after... Um, Allende was overthrown in 1973, um, 40th anniversary, obviously, um, allegedly of a heart attack. Uh, there was a big controversy about this when this story broke a couple of months ago. Uh, I reported it, uh, I think, sometime last summer that this was being considered. And the BBC is reporting uh, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, this is... Uh, allegedly going to happen. So this is a kind of an interesting development that uh, I'm sure Henry Kissinger is uh, <clears throat> doesn't want any information out. And it's fascinating, by the way, that you mentioned this whole thing about denying the papers because uh, the Freedom of Information Act was, was, was passed uh, in the mid-'60s when Lyndon Johnson, of all people, was president. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting how uh, it's been used to prevent uh, legal information from being obtained from people that are uh, supposedly allowed to receive it. There's a recent book out, and I don't have the title in front of me, but I'm going to read this book shortly, about Ronald Reagan's role as an FBI agent uh, informant, that he was a source for the FBI, 
and that the FBI exchanged information. Some of this was of a personal nature. For instance, his uh, oldest daughter, Maureen, apparently had was living with a police officer while not married to the man. And this was of great concern uh, to the Reagan uh, family. Well, the writer, whose name I think is Rosenfeld, um, this book came out about uh, two or three months ago, had to spend literally 30 years trying to get this information. He was a student at Berkeley. I heard him interviewed on public radio. And he has spent, through lawyers, $600,000 trying to get information that he is entitled to by law to get. And this is all being covered up. Uh, Don't believe the reports about America's openness. (laughs) Uh, uh, The publicity regarding openness in America is greatly exaggerated. Uh, Many secrets are being covered up in the name of national security. That's right. Well, one of uh, W's last acts as president was to... uh in, in gender language that would uh, protect the Reagan Bush era. Well, that was his first executive. Papers. Yeah, his first executive order on becoming president. Oh, there the, you go. On the front end the of first, the deal, it was the front end of the deal. <laughs> and of course, Bush's whole assumption of the presidency was illegitimate from day one. I mean, it's illegitimacy piled on top right. of illegitimacy. Uh, to paraphrase Richard Nixon from the Watergate tapes. That's a pile of crap. <laughs> Speaking of the Watergate tapes, Stanley Cutler's great uh, abuse of power volume uh, is a most useful document indeed, because it's actually a series of documents, rather damning ones. Yes. And, and sometimes quite amusing. But... Uh, as we are coming up into uh, the uh, early months of 73, there's some interesting uh, details to relate from these uh, pages. I think so, and I think what's fascinating about 73 was initially, uh, of course, uh, this was basically the start of Nixon's second term. Uh, initially, uh, he was very interested in January of 73, before James McCord was... Um, convicted uh it's interesting to note that e howard hunt pled guilty along with the cubans and gordon liddy g gordon liddy who's a right-wing radio talk show host um were convicted on the 30th of january 1973 and of course uh the conversations that follow this revelation that mccord had told uh, Judge Sirica that uh, there was a cover-up. <laughs> uh, he was none too pr- uh, happy. And Nixon's ire uh, on a February 3rd conversation with uh, Charles Colson regarding Sirica is fascinating reading and shows how Nixon basically is planning a sort of counterattacking strategy of trying to implicate the Democrats into bugging <laughs> operations. It's important to remember that in early January, when Nixon was having the conversations about getting out dirt on Lyndon Johnson, shortly before Johnson died, he died on the 22nd of uh, January, 1973, uh, Nixon, Johnson basically told Nixon, well, you better not do that or I'm going to release the tapes about you obstructing the Hanoi negotiations. 
uh, through a, a back channel known as Anna Chenault. Uh, and Anna Chenault has an interesting uh, life of her own. She worked for the China lobby, Shanghai Shack, etc., uh, and allegedly had an affair with John Tower, who uh, Nixon probably had a few. Yeah, who, uh, <laughs> by the way, was the last Secretary of Defense who had to have his name withdrawn. That's right, due to uh, personal shenanigans and apparently he was a little bit of a boozer. I don't know if he ever ended up in the fountain with. Uh, was her name Fanny Flag or <laughs> Wilbur Mills? <laughs> Chairman of the Ways and Means Committee uh, ended up in uh, a fountain in Washington with a stripper who definitely had the name Fanny, and I don't remember what was Fanny Flag or Fanny Hall. It wasn't Fawn Hall, but <laughs> no, that's a later. That's a later uh, <laughs> woman in the news with Oliver North. But it's fascinating to read some of these conversations that Nixon's having uh, in January and February as the scandal is beginning to unravel. And it's a cover-up. Yeah, the cover-up. And it's interesting to look at these two really as performance pieces because uh, Colson doesn't know he's being recorded here. No. Uh, Nixon, of course, does. And so this is, of course, his larger framework, delusional and paranoid as it was, to have this tape uh, you know, system in place, part of what it was for was sir, later selective gleaning to incriminate people, sure. to exonerate himself and so forth. And, of course, ultimately uh, the revelation was, was made that, oh, you know what, he kept those tapes because of the money <laughs> that they represented. Um, he had supposedly received advice from an accountant, by the way, that tapes would not be covered under uh, so-called presidential papers. Talk about turning over papers. And that he yeah. could... Uh, use the tapes uh, for his own purposes. Yeah, but uh, th these uh, February 3rd uh, comments with Colson uh, about Sereca are interesting because Nixon's just outraged here that, uh, um, uh, let's see, uh, his goddamn conduct is shocking as a judge. Uh, let's spend a minute talking about Watergate. And Colson says, is it? Nixon said, he's not being a judge. I suppose he's on the other side. What is he buying for? Is he young enough to look for an appointment to the Supreme Court with the Democrats for the next four years? Colson, probably with a furrowed brow, says, no, no, Zurich is a tough, hard-boiled law and order judge. Who, exactly. Appointed uh, by Eisenhower. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not blaming you. I'm just wondering why he's going far beyond. I'm just wondering. Or is Nixon fishing here for something that he just wants Colson to say on the tape? Uh, and Colson reassures him, no, no, he's a Republican. I know him pretty well. I've been with him at various events, social events. Very decent guy, dedicated to you. I can't understand what he's been doing. He's been ill. Well, maybe Sirica uh, is following his you know, innate instincts as a judge to pursue suspicious matters. Plenty of foot. Uh, but the performance here is remarkable. It's remarkable, and there's another fascinating reference on the on the very next page where Nixon talks <clears throat> about, you know, he's got a basic strategy of trying to, you know, get, implicate the Democrats one way or another. Um, but one of the other interesting names that appears on the on the very following page is he has this discussion where he has information from Bobby Baker. Now, Bobby Baker worked for Lyndon Johnson. He was basically Lyndon Johnson's bag man. Uh, to make a long story short, Nixon and Bobby Baker had... Bobby Baker's lawyer did some kind of weird 
gumshoe work for Nixon. So it's interesting that Nixon knows some information about Bobby Baker. He says, well, let me, suge- let me suggest another thing. This Brewster thing, who apparently is a senator from Maryland, according to Bobby Baker, he says, runs a hell of a lot deeper in, and runs to a number of Democratic senators. What are we doing about having an investigation, calling in the speaker, putting him under oath, FBI, and seeing, uh, saying what other senators, going right down the list. What are we going to do about that? And this gives you the idea that is quite clear that Nixon ain't backing down. He's coming up with a counterattack strategy. Uh, he and Colson have numerous conversations in 1973 about deliberately leaking information um, to keep the pressure on the Democrats. He even suggests in these early February conversations that uh, um, Senator Irvin, you know, is, you know, he, he, we can control him. He, this is what he believes. Uh, so it's just fascinating stuff to get an idea of where Nixon's brain is at <laughs> in early February. Uh, needless to say, you know, as events would unravel uh, throughout 1973, you first have Haldeman and Ehrlichman resigning at the end of April, John Dean being fired. Uh, fascinating because uh, Colson is always appealing to Nixon's darker side, mm-hmm. and he's telling and reassuring Nixon that John Dean is tough and reliable that John Dean is conducting an in-house investigation of Watergate as, as, as he knows it. And, of course, this would lead eventually to the famous uh, cancer in the presidency conversations that are coming, uh, coming up in several months back in 1973. And uh, these comments, too, uh, again from February 3rd, where a little bit later in that same conversation, Nixon asks Colson, uh, I don't think the country is all that stirred up about that the burglary. Uh, what do you think? Colson's response, very conciliatory, very much the uh, the butt kisser here. Uh, oh, no, God, no, the country is bored with it. We get less than 1% who ever mentioned Watergate. Watergate issue has never been a public issue. It's a Washington issue. It's a way to get at us. It's the way the Democrats think they can uh, use to embarrass us and keep us on the defensive, keep us worried, keep us from doing other things. That's why they've kept it alive. I don't think it's worth a damn in the country. And Nixon's response, that's right. And, of course, you know, earlier in his desire to get Colson to, you know, get on the case, he has this interesting exchange where he says, I think you should get over to Kleindienst and say, after all, Brewster has made some very serious charge on television this morning. This charge must now be investigated. First, the FBI can conduct an investigation before they conduct the uh, goddamn grand jury. I just think they're making Brewster guilty. I really do. Colson says, I know they are. Nixon, the Senate's full of people who take money. Christ, I was one of the few that didn't take anything. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Here he is on tape, you know, performing for the tape. Yep. I didn't take anything. Except I'm not a that cr- coat. I'm not that- I'm not a crook. That's right. Just that dog. <laughs> Pat's good Republican coat. He's suggesting, of course, and needless to say, we know that a good number of congressmen are crooked and corrupt and 
do things on behalf of constituencies for campaign contributions and whatnot. But uh, Nixon <clears throat> exonerates himself. What uh, it's also interesting, and and again <laughs> coincidental, but uh, that Johnson dies. Yeah. Uh, in early 73, shortly after yeah, the second inauguration. As I mentioned, he died on the 22nd of January. So it's very interesting. Early in January, Nixon and Haldeman in particular have a number of conversations about getting into the whole bugging thing in general. You know, the Democrats did this to me back right. in 68. Releasing that, making that information yeah. public. And he even uh, mentions Carla DeLoth uh, to... Um, the FBI, he was basically one of Hoover's right-hand men. You know, I think he was technically the number three guy. Um, Clyde Tolson was kind of an unofficial. He wasn't number two. Uh, that was theoretically William Sullivan. But uh, he he is well aware of Cartha uh, DeLoach's uh, role in... Um, Knowing about this information, uh, knowing about Johnson's uh, use of bugging uh, back in 68. It's just interesting that after Johnson's death, they didn't proceed with that plan to go public with that information, that it was uh, actually sat on for a bit longer. Yeah, and it was fascinating to discover that it was Johnson who went to Nixon and told, warned him that you're not going to use this, or otherwise this will come out, that you were involved in sabotaging the 1968 uh, Paris peace negotiations. Uh, this allegedly when this affair with Anna Chenault and John Tower, who is specifically mentioned uh, in a February uh, 6th conversation uh, with the president and Haldeman, he's telling uh, Nixon when they're talking about, you know, stacking the deck on the committees, he says, uh, well, if the recommendations are it's two, it's uh, Haldeman's telling Nixon, Brock, and excuse me, it's Robert Griffin. Griffin, by the way, senator from Michigan. And John Tower, uh, Griffin, to nitpick the legal stuff and Tower to play the political. And if it's three, to add Brock to it. Nixon's right, good, good. And uh, what they're going to push for uh, on membership, Nixon says, it seems to me that that Johnson wiretap thing has got to be blown. I would wait a while. Well, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Going to be some odd weather tonight. I think it will remain mostly on the rainy side here, but uh, apparently there's a winter advisory, so driving might not be the greatest tonight. Check into that if you're going out on the road. And there's this other fascinating conversation in the same Haldeman thing. Nixon always had an obsession about Harvard. Uh, for one reason, John Kennedy went to Harvard. And, of course, Alger Hiss went to Harvard. Eastern elites. Eastern elites. And Nixon had this insecurity about this because he went to Whittier <laughs> and Duke Law School, where he uh, allegedly uh, was denied an FBI position for breaking into the dean's office to steal the law exam. <laughs> Uh, we still don't know the details of the uh, Duke law caper, but <laughs> I'm sure they'll be recreated in a movie at some point with Nixon's big feet getting caught in the, <laughs> in the windowsill. Um, but it's interesting that Haldeman, when they're discussing uh, some other things 